Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show. A pitcher for the LA Dodgers openly criticizes the team for planning to host and give an award to an anti-Catholic hate group, and he does not hold back. This, as some in the media say, Governor Ron DeSantis is far far more dangerous than former President Trump and that President Trump is more dangerous than President Trump, (laughs) at least the 2016 version. And maybe just maybe, according to our media, John Bolton can save us all. Joining me now to discuss it all is Adam Curry, better known as the Podfather and co-host of the No Agenda podcast. Adam, great to have you again. How you doing? Oh, Megan, it's so good to be back. And I'm surprised that no one got fired today. Usually when I'm scheduled, it's like uh, Sharon gets uh, fired from the, from her show and, or Tucker gets uh, thrown off the Fox. <laughs> You're like the grim reaper of media personalities. Every time we schedule you, someone big gets the axe. Yeah, yeah, it just happened. I used to have that with Duran Duran all the time. Whenever I would be there to introduce them at a concert, either it would get rained out, their plane couldn't take off, Simon was sick, and whenever they saw me, they'd be like, oh, no, not Curry. No, 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 no. What's going to go wrong? Well, you know, the day is long, so we'll see whether Joy Reid makes it. Um, we, we believe she's the, the next to go here at the Megyn Kelly Show. Um, all right, let's kick it off with Target, because I think this is fascinating. I mean, the, the, the boycott, the pain that's being dealt out to them It's working. It's working. And how? My God, their numbers are terrible. Here's the latest via the New York Post uh, as of this morning. Target stock has dropped. It's lost. $12.7 billion over the past two weeks. Holy schmoly. $12.7 billion over the past two weeks. It is their longest losing streak since November of 2018. It is clearly in response to their pride display. And just to be clear, There are pride displays at stores all over the country going into June, as there have been for years. It's what they've done in their pride display that has made them a target. Pardon the pun. Um, With the trans stuff and the trans stuff for children or or, and in particular, the trans stuff for uh, women's bathing suits with the extra material where you can tuck it. I mean, it is like Americans are very tolerant, but they have pushed us too far. We saw that with Bud Light, and I've got updated figures on them as well, or as Michael Knowles calls them, Transheiser Bush. Love. <laughs> I heard that. That, that was pretty funny. <laughs> um, but this Target thing is real, and they've got to be feeling the pain. What do you make of it? Well, um, and what's interesting about this and also about Bud Light is that once there was pushback, when they did not stand up and push back against the, you know, the, the, the activists, um, all of a sudden the so-called LGBTQ community is now saying, you know what, we're not going to support you either. So they're in a lose-lose situation. What is interesting to me, and I, I'm always looking at, you know, what is the root of this? And this is, it always comes down to money. And you're mentioning Wall Street figures, you're looking at uh, market capitalization. Um, all of this stems from literally Wall Street. It comes from uh uh, I would say the genesis is BlackRock, who are just an incredibly large financial institution, $10 trillion in assets. Larry Fink uh, really reigns the scepter there. But there's a lot of people involved in that. They even actually run money for the U.S. Treasury. And they started um, the ESG uh, movement or the ESG, I would almost call it regulations, environmental social governance, Um 
which of course beget the DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. And that now has led to the CEI score, which literally forces every single, uh, certainly public company into a situation where they have to do certain things in order to be even investable. And from, in my mind, I mean, I know that uh, Wall Street money guys, they don't care if the stock is going up or down. They can make money either way, as long as they know in advance which way it's going. So this is, you know, for a love of money is the root of all evil. This is truly coming from the big, big money, the the almost invisible people behind the scenes who um, I think have, have started this, have perpetuated this. Uh, they love it. You know, they love knowing that it's going down. They'll make money and uh, there will be a moment. There'll be a, uh, probably a, a, a change of CEO. The target CEO is kind of an interesting guy by himself. You know, he's uh, he's been in all kinds of companies and has not done incredibly well uh, in some of them. So they'll fire someone and then the stock will start to rise. They'll remove whatever they need to do. It's all a game. I, I think we're all being played and we're getting really, really spun up over it. And this is across the board. This is in all areas where, um, you know, it, I, I hate to see how we're now being pit against each other. Um everyone's broken in one way or the other, you know, and some may be more broken in the eyes of others, but it's being taken advantage of uh, by Wall Street and they have their own, and I say Wall Street just as a collective, uh, but for their own initiatives. And of course that gives politicians uh, a reason to jump in and use this. And the American media model, if you will, is always pitting you know, two sides against each other, red against blue, left against right. Um, that's what cable news, I mean, cable news is so broken that they don't even have money to do news. They just play clips of the other guy, you know, mm -hmm. it's it, the whole, and then politicians jump in and take advantage of that. The whole thing is very, very, very troubling and honestly disgusting where we're arguing against our own people. And again, I'm broken. I, you know, I think everyone's broken in some way. There's some that, you know, if you look at the trans movement, uh, I think there's a lot of breakage there and we have to start working it out and not let us be played and saying, oh yeah, you know, we're winning and, you know, our team, yay. I think that's a problem. So that, I mean, that's a fascinating perspective. I, I guess I don't agree because I'm, for the first time in my adult life, I'm seeing conservatives actually start to push back effectively. I mean, for the mm -hmm. most part, especially like Catholic groups, they just take it that, you know, you had Bill Donahue of the Catholic League out there every once in a while being like, why won't you honor the death of Mother Teresa at the Empire State Building? You know, he I'll never forget. He was like those preppy little boys at the Empire State Building are going to learn. You know, <laughs> Well, they didn't learn. Um, so for the most part, they've kind of rolled over and conservatives, while they complain about some of these cultural issues, they would they never they weren't the boycotters and they kind of prided themselves on that's not us. And you know what? They failed. <laughs> the left took over all of our major institutions and would exhort pressure on any institution that, you know, went far afield when it came to one of their ideological uh, prized issues. And now finally, the right is getting it. And I think making some progress. I don't want to see the wokeification of a baseball team, of a beer company, of a mass, you know, appeal a store like Target. I don't want to have to look at somebody's ideological agenda when it comes to penises in women's bathing suits when I take my kid through that school. So what is the answer, if not to fight? 
But, and and I'm, I'm not disagreeing that we have to stand up and fight. And luckily, we are seeing, certainly when it comes to um, men participating in women's sports. I mean, and this, there's really two different sides of the trans uh, issue. We have 80% of transitioners are teenage girls. You know, there's a huge, they have a huge target on the back. But why they're transitioning is for different reasons than why men, uh, typically they're a little That's older. True. While they are transitioning, that has, in my opinion, very different background. I don't know if Michael Knoll spoke about it. I don't think so. But, you know, porn has a huge uh, yeah. influence on men making this transition. It's really, it's, it's mental illness. And I'm just afraid that, okay, while we're winning, let's not forget that we have to view everybody in 3D. Everybody needs an out. Everybody needs some respect. And if you're, if you're dealing with mental illness, we have to recognize that. And we have to say, okay, why is this happening? And the capture, we saw this with um, just look, looking at the medical industry, big pharma, the, the capture is so apparent and so huge. This started with COVID where you couldn't even discuss an alternative uh, remedy. Um, you know, we had the mainstream media calling Joe Rogan a nut job and he was eating horse paste because he was taking ivermectin, um, which you know, is now back on every schedule as, oh, it's okay. It might even have some benefits against cancer. So when you have young children or even older uh, uh, or young adults who are confused, there's a lot going on in the world. They have screens that are capturing them, you know, phones, social media, this goes all the way back to Tumblr, um, drawing them into all kinds of issues. You have psychologists and therapists who literally cannot do anything else according to their own their own industry and capture then prescribe transition oh you know this is the answer i can't i can't do anything else with you i can't talk about you know right. other issues that may be troubling you so in order to break out of that and that's the same for the media it's same for almost every single industry we have uh, education you know, are the are the teachers doing horrible things and teaching what woke quote unquote woke ideology? Yes, but they're captured. They can't they can't turn and say, "Oh no, I'm not doing this" because they're out and they get no pension. And everyone's in this. Everyone's cancelable now. Everybody is cancelable. Great. And I just want, it used to just be one side. <laughs> yeah, well, correct. And I just want to make sure that we that we you know. We just had Memorial Day and, you know, we all celebrate. Well, first of all, we would go out and buy a mattress. You know, that's mattress sale is now Memorial Day. But we're supposed to honor the fallen who gave their life for this country. And now we need heroes to stand up and say, you know, no more. But we still have to recognize that we're all in this together. And if we just keep fighting and declaring wins, I mean, it's going to end up really, really poorly. We have to recognize the true enemy is people who are playing us against each other. And we all have something going on, but we're looking at mental illness above all. Is there gender dysphoria? Of course. Um, we were a great country. We accepted gay and lesbian. That was not a problem. You know, I, I think in general, you know, homosexuality happens in nature. And, you know, if, if people decide that they don't want to procreate and want to live with same sex, I grew up in the Netherlands, so I'm very liberal on this. Uh, they want to live with same sex, sex partners, fine. Um, but there's been such a attack on the family that we're now, you know, let's make sure that we don't have families. Let's make sure that we don't procreate. Let's make sure that we sterilize our children uh, in, through any means possible. I don't even want to get into Planned Parenthood and how we move from responsibility to can I have an abortion or not? You know, it used to be, you know, be responsible. Now it's just, yeah. oh, you know, it's only, only, that's the only fight. The abortion that, is now the birth control. Keep going. 
and that comes back to, I know a lot of people, a lot of people in the money business, they only care about one thing. Is our population growing? As long as our population grows, we win. So they're not afraid of China because China's population is declining. But our population is not growing because we're procreating and creating more children. And by the way, same-sex couples can be great parents. You know, we have a lot of children yeah. who need parents who need a loving household. So that, and we had no problem with this. We were set. You know, we had we were more liberal actually than most countries in Europe when it comes to gay marriage. And then what's this push all about? We have opened our borders in order for the bankers to win. I'm just saying bankers is a general term for them to win. So, and why is that great? Because those people coming in will be obedient because they're ultimate, they are the ultimate cancellation is like, oh, you don't play by what we say, you're out, we'll, we'll ship you out. And they'll be cheaper. Um, in the global scale of the world, things were divided up and this happened, you know, arguably back in the, in the Clinton days, probably earlier than that. Um, where America is in the global scheme, we don't produce, we consume. We're the consumers. And as long as we can keep the consumers alive to consume and buy stuff and somehow make sure that either through credit or ultimately, I don't know, universal basic income can keep us as the consumption arm of the world and the, uh, China, China and um, other Eastern countries, Far East, be the producers. That's kind of what they want. We're all up against the globalists. And this is what we need to realize in order to truly win back humanity. Otherwise, I just see it going down a dark path and just fighting for forever. Well, I, I don't think you're wrong about that, that 30,000 foot view. But mm -hmm. I feel more like we're in the midst of, you know, the actual hand to hand combat that, you know, the, the, the war requires an overall strategy, but it also requires victory in the small battles. You know, we needed to win at Normandy. It was an important victory. Fair and enough. each of these battles. And that's what that's what we're doing. That's what Target is. That's what Bud Light is. We're starting to turn the tide, whereas we were just taking the beatings before and we were losing the overall war. But the more they recognize that our side and I say this as I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what I am anymore, Adam. I, I always consider I'm a registered independent. But if I take a test online, what perhaps? are my. Yeah, I don't know. If I take a test online, what like what are my politics? It says I'm a conservative Republican. So I'm like, OK, I don't I never thought of myself like that, but whatever. I'm definitely more conservative in my leanings, but we're we're figuring it out. And and to me, it's exciting because maybe these are the first steps in sort of winning some of these cultural battles and then winning more political battles and getting some more control over the issues that you're discussing. You know, the, the problem, the reason I think Target and Bud Light in particular are resonating is because those are mainstream middle America brands. You know, it is not like, I don't know, say Nike. That's like sports. It's like an athletic thing. They have a particular clientele. You know, I don't know that people are going to get all that outraged over Nike taking political stances like they have. They've been sort of left wing ap ap appealing for a while. But Bud Light, no. Target, no. And both of those things impose a different sort of threat. Now we're talking about threats to children. You know, these crazy surgeries, these crazy sex hormones and the procedures that, forgive me, mm -hmm. make you grow a baby carrot out of a clitoris. I'm sorry, it's graphic. But that's what happens when you cross over to testosterone. That's what you're setting your your 12 year old girl up for uh, when you say you I've just got to affirm who she is. And by the way, no 12 year old girl knows that she's a boy. It's very rare for an, a girl 
to have actual gender dysphoria. To your point earlier, the 80% is driven by something else and mm-hmm. it tends to be social contagion. In any event, um, that's why this is so exciting th- to see what's happening. They're being punished. This, I don't know if you saw this, but this, um, they're gospel singers. They're pro-Trump gospel singers. They released an anti-target song. It's number mm-hmm. one on all the charts. This is your business, you know, as a former <laughs> M- MTV VJ. Um, I'll play it for the audience. It's a, it's number one everywhere. iTunes, you you name it. And uh, they're celebrating and thanking God that this has resonated so much. It's Sot 13. Target on my back, but they're targeting your kids. They don't even need to ask because you all know what it is. Yeah, that's why I keep a strap. And I'm always by my bands. This agenda got to stop. Yeah, you know we're going to win when they target, target. Yeah, they target and target, target. Yeah, they target kids. Target, target. Yes. So this to me is empowering. This is empowering. These guys are um, Jimmy Levy and Forgianto Blow. Um, Levy says he's not a rapper. He's a gospel singer. And on Tuesday, it hit number one on iTunes. Um, Levy tweeted out, as a man, it is my job to stand up for the children and their future. My children will know their father did not stay silent. He said Target just lost $9 billion this week. And of course, now it's up, as I pointed out, to $12.7 billion. Yes, I agree with him. As a man, it is your job to stand up for children. It is your job. We need more guys like this saying no. And I get your point about compassion. These people are going through something. But I'm just, we're, we're in the bomb throwing phase of this revolution where we're just saying, no, we've learned how to fight and we're going to fight. You want to fight? It's on. Well, um, absolutely. I understand what you're saying. Expect bombs to be thrown back. Expect real, rhetorical. real blood to Wanna be shed. I want to say rhetorical. Just make that clear. Keep going. No, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm serious about that. Expect, you know, there's now there's. Expect them to uh, be thrown back. For- We've been on the receiving end of the bombs, Adam. We've been. I understand. We, ha- we have I our understand. kids now, to your point, they can't go see a psychiatrist without getting affirmed in their momentary gender dysphoria, which is fake nine times out of 10 and comes from really just my parents are getting a divorce. Those are bombs coming our way and they're serious. So who's the enemy there? The enemy there is the pharmaceutical industry. The enemy there is the complete capture of our medical system. I have a daughter. She's 30. She's 33. I have two stepdaughters, 26 and 29. They have all at one point been on Adderall, Vyvanse, um, uh, Zoloft, all different kinds of pharmaceuticals. We didn't have that growing up, Megan. You and I didn't have that. That didn't happen that way. We are the only country except for New Zealand in the world where you can advertise pharmaceutical products direct to consumer. This is part of the reason why I believe Tucker Carlson was kicked off. The minute you start to question that system, which is one of the true enemies, I mean, let's go after the pharmaceutical companies. Let's let's deplatform them. After that will help everybody. Those are those are the quote unquote targets I'd like to go after. I'd also like to I go after the you. war machine. I'm I'm inherently anti-war, and I think there's you know th- these are the real problems. That okay, we can take a win. Just be careful because now there's calls on you know on the woke side for arming ourselves, you know, let's get ready. You know, we're all at the practice range. You have the uh, Socialist Gun Club of America. You know, we don't want to get into an actual shooting war. We have it, it can right, go let me beyond give, what we're But let me give you an example. Okay, so we aired this clip of this trans person named Tara J. This is a man who's not faking being a woman very well at all, who's now <laughs> threatening to shoot us if we try to stop him from going into the ladies' rooms wherever he so pleases. We ran this uh, not long ago. Watch this. 
I dare you to try and stop me from going into a women's bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. I dare you to try and stop a transgender woman in my presence from using the bathroom. It will be the last mistake you ever make. This is a call to action and a call to arms. You need to arm up, plain and simple. Go out, buy a gun, learn how to use it efficiently. And he is not the only one. We have a lot of trans people online making threats if we try to stop them from getting into women's spaces. That's not on me for fighting. That's not that's not on those of us no. who have said, get out, get out of our prisons, get out of our locker rooms, get out of our sororities. That's on that lunatic. I agree. Um, yesterday you were talking with Michael Knowles about uh, the gynecologist. And to me, what didn't come up in that conversation is it's your gynecologist. That guy needs to be in trouble. And for him to allow that to come into his practice, right. that's right. on him or her. Well, imagine, I mean, mine's a female, but can you imagine her in there? Like, where is it? I don't, I looked. There's nothing here. I can't help you, sir. <laughs> but yet she's pretending she's going along with the facade because she doesn't want to get kicked out of her, her profession, lose her practice. We saw this during COVID. You speak against it. Your practice is gone. You get no insurance. You're completely wiped off the map. This is this is the true problem there in sports. Th I think the true heroes right now are the women who are saying, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. You had a couple of them on your show yesterday. We need, you know, Martina Navratilova. And by the way, where are the gays and lesbians? More where gays, are and, the lesbians, gays and lesbians please, standing up against this stuff. Well, there's a group on Twitter called Gays Against Groomers, which is mm -hmm. doing a good job. And there are mm -hmm. some others, but the, the, I think it's one of the most dishonest things of the, the trans community activists to try to glom on to the LGB. Uh, activists and it's and why have these mainstream never has been. right like where why wouldn't Glad say you know what your battle's not our battle Godspeed um, but we're we have very different interests and we're representing very different things I mean Andrew Sullivan had an unbelievable post about seven it. days ago and it's, yeah where he was talking about how the new conversion therapy is what the trans community is doing to little gay boys and mm -hmm. what's happening to adult gays and lesbians like where are the lesbians bars they're gone and now they're being called bigots if they don't want to have sex with trans people like if you're a lesbian who gets turned on by women biological women you're now considered a bigot if you're not into a trans woman so uh, again there's there again is a penis there again you're you, it's not a woman it's not what turns you on so it's he's wondering why there isn't more activism by the LGB community to to sever the tie and say, we have a divergence of interest here. It's a fair question. And I, I completely agree. And I'll call out Kara Swisher as one of the, the top people who is on yes. the wrong side of this, who should be yes. calling this out instead of, yeah, instead of, you know, basically saying, oh, yeah, no, all Republicans are horrible and they want to erase trans people. That's, of course, a lie. That's not true. These people are afraid. They're afraid to be canceled. That's that's what it is. But that's why I brought up Memorial Day. We have to have that courage to stand up to the true evil, the true the true power behind this, which, yes, on the battlefield, yeah, in a way it's target. But you, you keep bringing up, you know, what's happening in the medical community. Um, uh, in 1990, if you wanted to transition, you had to go through at least a year of living as the other sex. You had to have uh, that whole year under supervision of a psychiatrist, yeah. uh, not just a therapist, you know, and then you had to 
uh, uh, you were slowly transitioned onto uh, onto hormones. I mean, it it took about two years to transition to another sex, and, and I'm talking more male to female because that's what I get these numbers from. But now it's without your parents' permission. You know, you're immediately told within 20 minutes, "Oh, you you're having issues because you're not sure about your sexuality, young girl." And and of course, what are girls? What choices are there? Become a Kardashian. Uh, wow, I don't know. Yeah. Should I get a uh, breast enhancement or should I go over this way? Because I really don't want to be sexualized. And oh, yeah, you're a boy. I mean, you're talking young girls, young girls. They're so susceptible. Mi middle school is tough as it is for girls. And that's mm -hmm. the true target. That's what we're really we're, we're really messing up the girls here. And, you know, the have, have you seen Affirmation Generation? The documentary? Yes, I had them on the show. I had the filmmaker oh. and two of the stars of the movie on the show and recommend everybody. I've been yes. giving out the website. It's I think it's affirmationgenerationmovie. Yeah. Watch it with your kids. Watch it with your kids. This, this will really help you. Yes, it's a, they did a beautiful job. It cost $7. You got to Venmo the payment to see it. It's well worth your time. Go through the two minute, you know, filling out the box. Um, mm. They're not going to sell all your information. They just want you to learn. And this is the, the only way they could get it out, of course, because a movie like that, in the same way Abigail Schreier had her book banned on Amazon, Amazon over and over, a movie like this is never going to be mass distributed. Oh, but not just that. Adam Carolla wouldn't have her on the show to talk about the book, but he was afraid of whatever he was afraid of. What? You know, my no. friend Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. Joe Rogan was the one who, who said, OK, come on my show. No way. I don't believe it. I, Adam, he's fearless. Adam, that doesn't sound right to me. OK, Th that's <laughs> that's the information I have. All right, I'm going to maybe he wasn't send... maybe he wasn't fearless at that moment in time. No, I'm going to send him a mean ago. text, and we're going to reverse it, and he's going to have them on. <laughs> and I like Adam Carolla. I have no problem oh, with I love him. Adam. But you know, there were a lot of people who said no, no, no. I don't, I don't want this problem right now. And uh, and Joe Rogan said, okay, come on my show. Yeah, well, that's this is what happens. I mean, this is why that leads me back to um, the 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 Target and the Bud Light and what's happening in baseball because what's happening in baseball is now. A couple of guys, I mean, a handful, I think National Review said it was four, or maybe it was the Federalist said it was four out of the 900 professional <laughs> yeah. baseball players have made mild comments on these boycotts and also the, the drag queen show that makes fun of the nuns. And there's already been massive backlash. backlash. And that brings me to the Blue Jays, Toronto. Now, of course, Canada is like, it's one big San Francisco, um, but tr the Toronto Blue Jays have a relief pitcher named Anthony Bass. He's the guy who was in the news recently for complaining that United Airlines forced his pregnant wife to get on her knees and clean up after their two-year-old daughter, who was like a hot mess, dropping popcorn everywhere. And everybody was like, shut up. Your, your wife should have cleaned it up. <laughs> anyway, he decided it'd be fun to tweet out something else. And uh, he shared an Instagram reel from an account that called on Christians to avoid Target and Bud Light. Mm -hmm. The original clip, again, he didn't say anything. He just retweeted it or reposted it. Uh, the original clip says, here's the reason biblically why I believe Christians have got to be boycotting Target and Bud Light and other corporations pushing these things. Um, and they go on to say, this is evil. This is demonic. We won't stand for it. That's essentially it. Um, so now, immediately, there were calls for him, this Toronto Blue Jay relief pitcher, Anthony Bass, to be fired. They wanted him to be traded, released, or designated for assignment. And then immediately he caved at him. I mean, like that, he caved. Uh, he apologized. The re-education camp is underway. That's always part of it. I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community. 
truly sorry. Oh, we have it on, on it's a it's a soundbite. Take a listen. It's not 11. I recognize yesterday uh, I made a post that was hurtful to the Pride community, which includes friends of mine and close family members of mine. And I am truly sorry for that. Um, I just spoke with my teammates and shared with them my actions yesterday. I apologize with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself, to make better decisions moving forward. Uh, the ballpark is for everybody. Uh, we include all fans at the ballpark and we, and we want to welcome everybody. That's all I have to say. Okay, this poor guy. So he's obviously been, you know, browbeaten. And what does his team manager do? Oh, Canada's the worst. But it's not just their problem. It's our problem, too. Love Canada. Love parts of Canada. Love Canadian Debbie and Kelly McGuire. Those are my producers. Um, that kind of, kind of so reminds the, me of LeBron James, you know, when 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 a bad comment about China came up and the Chinese said, you know, this is King King LeBron, you know, King James yeah, here. Who? King oh, James. oh, I got a buckle here. I mean, so these are not heroes to me. These are no. weak men. And Adam, until you stand up certain, for what you say. A certain. What's the word? A uh, vulgar term for a cat comes to mind when I see this behavior, because it's like some of these guys have yeah. millions and millions, like hundreds of millions. So this is what happens. The manager comes out, John Schneider, who ought to be shamed and says this guy Bass, who we just listened to, needs to go beyond making a statement. Quote, we're not going to pretend like this never happened. We are not going to pretend like it's the end and move on. There are definitely more steps that are going to follow. That he will get his pound of flesh out of, after this, out of this Anthony Bass in order to make an example of him, um, because you know the, we can't have anybody else doing this. And I'll, I'll give a shout out to my pal Jim Garrity over at National Review who said the following, and I love this: Imagine a beer company that just wanted to make good beer and sell it to you. Imagine if your company, if that company wanted to sell beer to everyone, but did not feel that its job was to make you more accepting of transgender individuals any more than it felt it was its job to warn you about the national debt or teach you the value of standardized testing in public schools or warn you about North Korea's intercontinental missile program. Imagine a beer company that liked its existing customer base and did not feel a need to re-educate those customers and get them to give up their fratty kind of out of touch humor. And goes on to say same thing about Target. Imagine an everything store like Target that wanted everyone to shop there but had the good sense to realize that partnering with a brand that had Satanist inspired merchandise was not the way to win over shoppers. And on it goes, right. That used to be the way we were, right? When you and I grew up, they weren't doing social messaging like this and Target. In 1996, I started a company called OnRamp. And one of my first customers was Anheuser-Busch before they were bought by the Belgians. And I built Budweiser.com. I built BudLight.com. And they had a lot of content, you know, sports marketing and just a lot of interesting things. We were in St. Louis on the ground all the time, figuring out, you know, what are we going to do with this brand? How are we going to bring that to the web? They literally had never been on the web. It was all new. And I remember us saying, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could put the URL, Budweiser.com or BudLight.com on the cans and bottles. At the time, um, uh, August Bush, Bush the fourth was not quite in power. It was uh, his name. His nickname was um, Woody, and he was busy looking at Porsche catalogs. Uh, but Grinder, his dad, the third, he pulled us into his office. And he said, "Young man, you will never, ever, ever put anything else on our cans or bottles than our beautiful logo. You're never going to touch that." That was their attitude. And then to, fa and of course, ultimately. 
that did happen, you know, because other brands were doing it. But to when I saw even one can, if even it wasn't in production, with anything else other than the Bud the Anheuser Busch logo, the Bud Light logo, with not just that, but someone on the can in front of the logo. This is not, not even questionable, you know, less than 30 years ago. So we have, there's something has happened, which has been really, really bad for that type of shift to take place. And okay, so then you get exactly what you deserve. And I think it was not even so much the Mulvaney character, but, you know, this, the smugness of, of the marketing people and, and the non-apology, um, you know, that, I think that's really what, what made people angry. And I'm just blown away by how you, and I think it may really be over for, for Anheuser, maybe not all of InBev, but I think no, that might. they have damaged their brand so much. It, this could be a huge, huge disaster for them, bigger than what we're seeing now. Right. They're down. The latest sales figures had them down 29 and a half percent. That's that's the latest ending, I think, May 20th, 29. This has been sustained. The, their account, the, the Bud Light Twitter account has not tweeted since this thing began, which was, I think, April 15th. They've gone totally silent. They mm. have no way out. They can't figure. They've made it so that it is uncool and a middle finger to women and to people who don't want children to transition and all those things to have a Bud Light. That's what you're now signaling when you order a Bud Light. And if you don't know that and you order a Bud Light, you'll find out soon because people are openly shaming the brand. I mean, people look at you funny yeah. right now if you order mm-hmm. one of them. That's, I yeah. don't know how you recover we, from that. We have, uh, we have listeners everywhere. We call them our boots on the ground producers. And we, I won't say where, but you know, really the beer business is the local distributors and the bottlers. And so one rather large bottling plant has kept me up to speed uh, and said that just before Memorial Day weekend, they had no one working on the lines. There was not a single beer or can bottle being produced for Bud Light just before Memorial Day. Has not happened in 30 years' time. And now the rival uh, company, forgive me, what's the name of it? It starts with an M. Coors, Miller, probably. No, no it's like at the manufacturing level, the, the equivalent of Anheuser-Busch, Modelo. Um, they, mm. they make a lot of the competitive beers. Their, their sales have gone up some 30%. Mm-hmm. They're about to take over Anheuser-Busch is the number one um, seller of beers. I mean, you can see the direct proportionate response by the consumer and Target, as we point out, losing between 12 and $13 billion. It's just share price. It could go back up. So it's not an actual loss necessarily, but their sales are going to suffer too, undoubtedly. Um, Bit by bit, these companies are learning the hard way. I will say this while we're on the sub, before we leave the subject of baseball, there is a guy on the Dodgers that's hosting this drag queen group that mocks nuns. It's not exactly the same as Dylan Mulvaney, but it's, you know, a sister. <laughs> I've, I've seen it, the, the, the aerobatics on the cross and everything. Is, yeah, it's pretty yeah. lame. The, yeah, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, being honored, not only showing up at Pride Night on June 15th, but actually being honored, this group, despite what they say about Jesus and Catholics. And this guy, um, he is, what's his, he, uh, let's see, hold on. No, it's Blake Trinan. Uh, he come, He tweets out, I'm disappointed to see the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence being honored as heroes at Dodger Statements. He's, at Stadium, he said they promote hate of Christians and people of faith. Uh, people like baseball for its entertainment value and competition. The fans don't want propaganda or politics forced on them. The debacle with Bud Light and Target should be a warning to companies and professional sports to stay true to their brand and leave the propaganda and politics off the field. 
Exactly. Good for him. And I think he's exactly right. And I think more and more, there's another guy, uh, is it Clayton Kershaw, who spoke out about this as well. Here and there, you're finding these guys who say, okay, try and cancel me. Try to try to get rid of me because I said I stand with my fellow Catholics or I said, I don't. And, well, really let's like recognize what's going on here. I mean, what's happening here is is truly um, now you're seeing the, the real war between good and evil. Um, I'm a recent uh, Christian, a little over a year. Uh, and I literally came Welcome. to my faith because um, I saw the evil that took place. And I truly believe there's evil. If there's evil, there's got to be good. And so my choice was Christianity. You can crap on any religion. And you can't crap on any religion except Christianity these days. Totally. Oh, the Christo-fascists, et cetera, et cetera. So let's recognize that there, that is a real war, maybe even at the base of a lot of this, between good and evil. And the whole idea is don't let people come to their faith, keep them away from it. Um, what closed during the pandemic churches, you know, all, all these things, there's all reasons for that. And so that's not just a culture war, that's a religious war. And that's serious business. Mm, yeah, you're right. It's, it's alarming. And, and, you know, I look at what's happening out in LA with the Dodgers. You think they'd ever be honoring a group that um, made fun of Muslims? That thought or it would really, be really fun to mock else. Islam. Oh, yeah. No, of course not. No, N never. They would never do that because Catholics tend to, well, we're taught to turn the other cheek, and we it's it's baked into our religion to be forgiving. Um, though you know, it'd be nice if somebody would ask for the forgiveness. Though they're not, they're not sorry. They're doubling down. The group will be honored, and it's just absurd. I mean, look what happened to Charlie Hebdo when they tried to draw Muhammad. Yeah. That's it. Can you imagine if people dressed up, a drag group dressed up as Muhammad and then did all the insulting things that they've done, you know, with respect to Islam there, people would get killed. <laughs> so, but it's fine because Catholics don't behave like that. So that makes us targets and Christians in general. Yes. Um, unfortunately that that's the fact, you know, that, but that's why, um, you know, the Surgeon General just released this 81-page report about uh, the true health crisis in America, which is, according to him, loneliness. He says that um, that's, you know, the loneliness that people experience is just as deadly as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. A weird comparison. Um, but the word church appears uh, exactly one time in these uh, 81 pages, and it appears there only in the context of, in 1999, 73% of Americans say they attended a church. And in 2022, of course, uh, it, was, it was only, you know, 43%. Um, but there's never any suggestion of, hey, you know, America kind of built on Judeo-Christian values. Uh, maybe you should seek your community at churches. No, it's everything else. In fact, disgustingly, that whole report kind of pushes us more into the we need 15-minute cities. doesn't say that literally, but I can read through the lines. Like, you should be, you know, closer and not really go out anywhere and have everything near you. And, you know, th there's there's some evil, evil, evil ideas uh, at work here. And uh, connection is protection, Megan. We've got to connect with each other, not just online, but in person, and start talking about this and bring more people into the conversation. You know, we've been, we take our kids to mass. Our kids are nine. 12 and 13. And uh, we were there on Sunday and the priest was talking. He's great. We go to this one that's more child friendly, this mass. And by the way, for those, you know, non-observant Catholics out there and, and Christians writ large, you can find a service 
that is more, you know, devoted to children. So it's a, a more pleasant experience for your whole family. But the priest was talking about how if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling a struggle, if you're feeling untethered, you should call on the Holy Spirit, pray to the Holy Spirit to come fill you up and help you. And he mm -hmm. talked about how, and this is great for the kids, about how when you're baptized, it's like making chocolate milk. And he was asking the kids, how do you make the chocolate milk? You pour the Hershey syrup in, but do you have chocolate milk yet? No. What do you have to do? And the kids are all saying, oh, you, you know, you got to stir it. And he's like, you got to stir it. And he's like, that's same with having Christ in your life and the Holy Spirit. You got to stir it a little. You got to go pray. You've got to ask for this, the Holy Spirit to come fill you and help drive you. And I thought, this is so great. It's just giving these kids tools, tools other than wokeism or identity politics or vitriolic politics, where you just judge everybody unforgivingly by inviting the Holy Spirit to come fill you up by thinking about Jesus in your moment of feeling listless or lonely. Why wouldn't you make the effort to bring your child, you know, to services, whatever your religion is, just even if you don't feel it, bring your child and give them the gift of at least having that option. I love how you phrase that. Uh, our pastor, uh, Jimmy Pruitt, he talks about every morning I start off with my wife and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And then as I pray, I'm like, fill me up. And the whole idea is fill up my buckets, my leaky buckets. So fill those buckets up. So as I walk around all day, I'm just splashing out goodness everywhere. That oh. concept, I think, is exactly what you're talking about. Right. And it's not, and then, you know, it's, look, it's not, I mean, when I grew up, they didn't do anything for the children. It was just like the mass, most of which you didn't understand. The homily was like a foreign language. <laughs> I really think if you make a little effort, you can find a great service for your family, um, whatever your religion, and you will leave every week. We leave feeling better, feeling lighter, feeling more connected with God and more connected as a family. These are all good things. All right. Stand by. We are happy to be connected with Adam Curry today for the entire show. We owed him. We owed him a solid after canceling him on Tucker the day the Tucker and the Don Lemon was just, he was such a sport. And it's an honor to have him. Stand by for more with Adam. So during Women's History Month, we celebrate and we honor the women who made history throughout history, who saw what could be unburdened by what had been. <laughs> we honored during Women's History Month women who made history during a month historically while being women. I mean, it's like, it reminds me of Cliff Clavin from Cheers. Remember? Like, wait, what? <laughs> what <laughs> did Cliff nice just say? <laughs> to be nice to the nice, Sammy. <laughs> so yeah. there's a new defense running now, Adam, for these kind of just uh, completely awful speeches that are uninspirational. Her attempts to offer profundities are the worst in politics. She's number one. Um, so here's the view running cover for why Kamala Harris keeps doing this. I don't know if she's going off script and, and ad-libbing or, or improving. And if that's the case, she needs to stay on script. If it's her speechwriter, they need to change yeah. the speechwriter. I would add that as a lawyer, you're generally told when you're speaking that you speak in threes because that's what people remember. So if you're going to talk about a car, you talk about the car, the red car, the fast red car. Oh, my God. It's a it's a law thing. You see, Adam, it's a law thing. It's weird how we don't hear every lawyer talking that way. In fact, it's an advertising thing. That's why you hear the 1-800 number three times in a row. That's what it is. <laughs> yes. Well, was she really wanting us to know about 
Women's History Month in the month of women. If you look at them historically, there's a lot of women in many months. I mean, it's just what an absurd attempt to cover up with somebody who is just not that articulate, not inspirational at all. And I would posit that she absolutely is ad libbing. I mean, if 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 this is written for her by a speechwriter, it's even more egregious. I, I think it is a speechwriter, honestly, and I and I think that oh. this is all purposeful. They do not want her to be. They never want her to be present. She's a placeholder. She just put in there to fill a uh, fill a box. Um, uh, similarly, I think even Democrats recognize that Joe Biden is not really running the show. I mean, he unless he's kind of like that old gangster who pretended to walk around peeing his pants and was really running the show from Sicily. I don't know, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just and, and, and when you're you know, that age, you know, you probably just get slower in general. Most people do. This is all just just a placeholder to either keep it going for, oh, God forbid, another four years or uh, waiting for the next, uh, the next, you know, the, the, what is it now? The fifth term of Obama, who I think is still running behind, mm. running things yeah. behind the scene. Certainly his people are. And by the way, I don't think a president has ever left office after two terms and stayed in Washington, D.C. Uh, so there's something going on there. You know, there's all kinds of people still running around. I have to say, I'm. <laughs> People laugh at me when I say it, but I still believe we will see a last-minute Michelle Obama entry. I mean, they they need a miracle, and she's probably the best way of providing it. Because if they don't, and God forbid something happens to Joe Biden, we're stuck with this. Listen to Kamala Harris. You heard at the end of that little soundbite, one of her favorite phrases is something about unburdening. You can unburden whatever. Mm-hmm. You'll hear it here because this is her go-to. Unburdened it's by truly, the, the time or whatever. Yeah, yeah this is all she's got. And uh, the it was the RNC put this together. I can imagine what can be and be unburdened by what has been, you know, what can be unburdened by what has been, 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 what we can see, what we believe can be unburdened by what has been, what can be unburdened by what has been. Adam, you got to have the hand motion too. You got you got to add that to it. Otherwise, she's an actor. She's an actor. She has nothing actually interesting or profound to say. Yeah, well, she's she's never been an impressive politician. I mean, I think everyone kind of knows her history. If not, is worth is worth reminding people how you know she through Willie Brown uh, came into uh, into positions in California, so to speak. Um, you know, to me, the psychological operation of calling her black, as in black American, uh, that, you know, the same with Obama, by the way, except Michelle Obama, is just not, you know, black American as a, a, what I say is, you know, descendants of slavery. That's that's not what she is. She's Jamaican and she's Indian. So even just how that has been pushed upon everybody has been insanely weird. Well, meanwhile, Tim Scott is. Tim Scott's got a, a legitimately black American experience and look mm-hmm. how he's been treated. He's already being treated like he's getting the Clarence Thomas, too. They're both being dismissed as, you know, kin folk or skin folk, but not kin folk. Right. So it's like they'd much rather elevate her just because she's got the right politics as they try to keep Joe Biden propped out because her politics may be good, but they know she's not electable. I will just say this before we go to break. You know, the movie Dave it was a great movie about start Kevin, Kevin Klein. And yep. he was playing the president and Sigourney Weaver was his, was his wife. And he was a 
the one version of Kevin Klein was an impersonator of the president and the real president has a stroke and this manipulative chief of staff decides to put him down in the basement, try to keep him alive long enough to bring in this impersonator, who's also played by Kevin Klein, and see if he can get his agenda, you know, by pulling the puppet strings of the fake president. We're, we're a couple steps away from that. <laughs> Some of these days I look at Joe Biden and I think, is this a Dave situation? <laughs> is he still? I think okay. so. <laughs> can you, you can Google that movie while we go to break and uh, we'll be right back with Adam Curry as we talk about the furry convention that Ron DeSantis is changing in Florida and the freak out by Rolling Stone. Adam, an offshoot of the weird focus on gender identity is the even weirder focus on some animal identities that is becoming a thing. I shared the story months ago of a friend of mine who knows a guy who has a big company. He hired this totally normal seeming young woman out of college. She crushed the interview, hired her, showed up first day running marketing, I think it was. And uh, she said, I identify as a tiger. She was wearing the tiger ears, tiger tail. And this person had to interact with customers. And this poor guy is like, holy <laughs> shit, what am I going to do? And, and the, it could just be a long game to extort the guy for money, but he should play the game and he should play it fiercely because that is not a protected identity. You identifying as a tiger is not an, a protected identity. You can fire somebody for doing that. So that's my free legal advice to that guy. It's a growing thing. And unfortunately, it's capturing like children. It's capturing children. Um, And I was a witness to this, too, where there was a young girl in this shop that I was in. It was a pet shop where I was shopping for dog food and she was mad at her dad. She was 16 around there. She was mad that he would only buy her the leash and not the collar or maybe it was the (laughs) collar and not the leash. And she said, you dad, you know, I identify as a furry. I need them both. I mean, it's just crazy what's happening. So there is a furry convention that takes place. I guess there's probably many of them. This one takes place in Florida, in Orlando, in September. At the Hyatt, hello, weird, Florida Sun Furry Fun is the tagline. The name of the group is Megaplex. That's not the name of the organization or of the host. It's being held at the Hyatt Regency. It's the furry group is under the banner of Megaplex. Now, they're not going to be able to invite children to this this year because of DeSantis's new Protection of Children Act in Florida, which is overwhelmingly supported by the voters. And it prohibits children at adult live performances. It covers sexualized drag shows, mm-hmm. things like this. And it's good stuff. It says uh, kids can't attend presentation that depicts or simulates nudity, sexual conduct or specific sexual activities. Right? That You can go look at these pictures. My God. You can go when you're 19, you can't go, or 18, you can't go when you're 17. So now you get Rolling Stone. Used to be a respected magazine that would be sort of the voice of the people on a lot of cultural issues. No more. Now they are lamenting through an article by a woman named E.J. Dixon that DeSantis has successfully sucked the pleasure out of many of life's little joys (laughs) from drag brunches to Disney. Uh, and now may be bringing the axe down on furries. E.J. Dixon writes that many furries are marginalized in some way. Many identify as LGBTQ. A sizable percentage of furries are also neurodivergent 
And as a result, they tend to view the furry community as a safe haven of sorts. So she thinks it's a wonderful thing that young people who are struggling with something, some sort of neurodivergence, whatever it may be, um, and with sexual identity, immerse themselves in the furry community, which not for nothing, but it has heavy sexual overtones. It has a heavy sexual bent in its history. And in 2011, a Surrey, a, a survey of furries found that a third said sex is actually an important part of their furry participation. I would submit for the record, EJ Dixon doesn't know what the hell she's talking about. So what do you make of it? Well, Rolling Stone, first of all, for a decade now has been just shameful. I mean, this is not the Rolling Stone I know from my MTV days. This is not the Rolling Stone that had Matt Taibbi report on the financial crisis, you know, accurately, which of course also went nowhere. Rolling Stone has done some great things. This is, this is just shameful. Um, I know furries, um, uh, OG furries. And yes, 100%. Oh, I can't believe I said that. I despise <laughs> people who say 100%. I'm sorry. I, I, I take oh. that back. Oh, um, I know them. Um, it is completely a sexual thing. Um, and they're it's, listeners it's of my saying. podcast and they, they sell me straight up. Oh yeah, no, this is a whole sexual thing. We love these conferences. We we love this fetish, which is fine. You know, just as I've been to drag shows, I've been to burlesque shows, you know, that's fine. Um, is too. that inappropriate for children? Of course it is. So that exactly. that uh, law in Florida is 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 spot on. Um, this is part of the victim mentality that's been created. You know, I think we're living in what I call the trans-Maoist period of the United States, where uh, we've just all been set up to um, you know, to be a victim of anything you want and you get points for that and then you can make a big deal out of it and it's all very egotistical. Um, I wish that more people would focus on their local politics and what's happening in their uh, cities, their states, their counties and the schools and the rules and regulations that are taking place there instead of an obsession with presidential politics, which is still quite a way off. Um, so I'm, you know, straight up, I have nothing against furries. I have nothing against drag shows. And I don't, and, you know, it's so disingenuous for mainly politicians, but also, um, you know, other voices to be saying, they, which always means the other side, want us dead. They want us erased. That's far from the truth. But when it comes to children, you've just got to stop that. It's all about targeting our children for anything. And we'll just see more and more of that. And that, of course, has been a very good move. And it's not just I don't think it's the governor. I think it's the legislature, et cetera. Um, we, you know, we need more action that took place in Florida in all of our other states, including Texas. Yeah. You know, we, that's where I am. You know, Greg Abbott isn't isn't necessarily out of the woods as far as I'm concerned. Um, no, this is the but, great stuff of Ron, De, Ron DeSantis. He does not care. He's like, bring it, furry. You know, you like you say, you do what you want on your own private. He's not saying you can't have this privately, like the, that the grownups can't go. That would be an, another thing entirely. He's saying, keep your furry paws off of our children. And it's very easy to support. It is. Um, and. You know, uh, the, the problem I have with uh, Governor DeSantis, and I guess, you know, uh, he's, he's running now, obviously, um, you also have to be for something. You, you can't just be against again. If you, want, if you want to win, if you want to be president, then you also have to be for something that both sides can agree on. Maybe border would be one thing, but he is funded by, you know, the same people, in my mind, who literally created ESG. 
know, it's this, it's it's big money. It's also you know some of the Bush gang is getting back together. So we have to be careful as to you know what we really want. And so you, do you doubt can't... then, Adam, that once if he were to get into the presidential office, he would be the way he's been as governor? Well, but that doesn't matter. The, the president is not going to determine what books are in your school. You know, that is not a presidential uh, power. He just doesn't have that. So we can all cheer. And you know, but I'd like to see a little more, um, you know, of what can we do for all of America and not just anti-woke. I have arguments with my own listeners about this who are like, whoa, what, what are you talking about? He's great. You know, he's, he's getting rid of the woke. I'm all about getting rid of the woke. Yeah, but they're still Americans. So we have to find something where we all agree. He, I would like to see, he, he has a lot to brag about. Great economy, all kinds of good things were done in Florida. Uh, although it's not, it's a little disingenuous that he, you know, he wasn't pro kind of some of the COVID measures in the beginning. Um, he did a good job. And other than you know, Christy Nome, there's not a better governor on the COVID record. Uh, well, when you have a state of 800,000 people, it's, it's easy not to close, close that down. Um, man, I, I just spoke to a friend who's, uh, uh, and she's their governor and man, they feel differently. I mean, and these are, these are right-leaning Christian, probably Republicans. I don't know his politics. And he's like, you know, Christy Nome, we're not so happy. Um, there's a lot what? going on that that I have to study and understand between you know their one representative and their two senators and what she wants yeah. to do. She seems totally totally the business, right? I mean, yeah. the the image is there, everything's and there. COVID, I mean, it looks come on, right. you got to give her COVID. Uh, I'll give her COVID, but you know, we also had you know smaller cities that you know pretty much stayed open as well. I mean, her state literally is eight hundred thousand people yeah. and spread out, so that was pretty easy call. All right. So back to DeSantis and um, the furries. I mean, this well, I want to say a couple things. Number one, um, more than half of the furries surveyed in that survey I just mentioned said that they would be zero percent human if they could. <laughs> so this is not just like a fun little costume that they want to like. They actually want to become animals. Um, they have a term for sexual activity between furries. It's called yiffing supposedly named after the sound foxes make during sex. Who the hell's listening to foxes have sex? And then they name a whole thing after it. <laughs> you got too much time. Have on you ever hands. seen foxes? Foxes make weird noises and they jump around in weird ways. And I, foxes, well, are, I'm familiar with foxes. You I know, mean, we had one come to our house in Montana during COVID and we made the mistake of, oh, so cute. Oh, let's put out our leftover chicken no. fingers for it. And then we we're like, you're a bunch of idiot secret city slickers. The Montanans are like, it'll bite your face off. We're like, oh, that's it with the chicken fingers. Do you know what foxes really like? In, uh, I lived in the UK and my daughter had her own apartment and there was a while there where oh, no more fox hunting because it's cruel towards foxes. So, of course, what happened is the foxes were coming right into the city. They were coming right into London. She had her back door open and they came, the fox came in, stole one of her shoes. They oh. love shoes. Apparently, pumps even is their favorite. So there's what? something with foxes that needs to be studied. Oh, yeah. They love stealing shoes. Who knew? Is that an actual fox or a furry fox? Because that I can understand with a shoe. <laughs> and again, the furries, you know, this is America. We have a great tradition of, of being crazy and doing weird stuff. And <laughs> furries is no exception. You know, we, we have people, I like stilt walking, you know, we have all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff. And that's always been okay, you know, but I, I can't same. take that seriously that they really want to be. And yeah, that's just like, they're probably promoting a convention and a, a lifestyle, which is definitely a sexual 
uh, sexually yes. oriented lifestyle. Well, that's fine, but just well, that. Know, but, so it's not that unrelated, not right? Okay, so fine. I agree with you, and I've, I've told my audience before. I'm very, very against kids going to drag queens that shows that are sexualized, and most mm-hmm. of them are. I'm totally fine with adults doing it, and I've done it myself. I went back in my days in Chicago when I was in my 20s. I loved it. There was this great club, and we used to have tons of fun, my girlfriends and I, and laugh. And we'd leave very confused because those women, quote women, the drag women, were better looking than all of us. We were like, we, we, we need to try harder. We need to make more of an effort. So it's just wrong on many levels. But DeSantis, he, this is the reason they're suffering with this is because he is worried about the kids. And I do think, you know, I see. take your point about how he's got to be more about stopping things. He's got to be you know, proactive on his policy. But this has become an issue for him, not so much on the drag, it's a little bit on the drag, but more on the Disney. And so he made remarks on this, um, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday in Iowa where he's putting all of his effort. I mean, he's got Iowa coverage to the point now where like, if you're gonna knock on your door, you know it's a DeSantis person, he's going for Iowa. And this is his message for the voters out there and for all of us, I suppose, uh, yesterday. We run the state of Florida. They do not run the state of Florida. I know all these Republicans are lining up against me to take the side of Disney, but I'll tell you this, we stand for the protection of our children. We will fight those who seek to rob them of their innocence, and on that point, there will be no compromise. All right, so he's reading from a script there, but it's one I believe is near and dear to his heart. So... You know, where do we go on Disney? Because this is becoming an issue within the GOP field. He's taking heat on it from Nikki Haley and others who are saying it is not conservative to go after a company whose viewpoints you don't like. We had a debate on this uh, show on Friday with Dave Rubin, in which I raised some of those same concerns. My audience was definitely against me just having read the comments. And I, I get that. I stand by the way I feel as a lawyer and as a citizen. I really, really, really don't want government punishing private viewpoints. Their position was and Dave's was this isn't really a punishment because he's just reduced Disney down to the level it otherwise would have been. He's taken away a special privilege as opposed to, you know, reducing them to lesser privileges than the average citizen has. Well, the whole, you know, reducing privileges and then Disney, you know, saying, oh, well, we're going to pull out our billion dollar project. You know, they don't put in there or you don't see at the bottom of the press releases, you know, we're still putting 17 billion into Florida. This is all just posturing. Disney is killing itself and it's the citizens and it's you as a mom and it's um, it's people, consumers who are killing Disney because just look at their numbers. They had to bring in Bob Iger. One of my good friends uh, was in the the recent layoff. He's an executive. Um, and so I know a little bit more on the inside. Uh, but they they completely, this is a true example of go woke, go broke. People, consumers, their, their general audience is sick of it. And uh, Disney Plus is losing a lot of money. Um, they just they put so much into content that people really aren't interested in even if certainly if you look at uh what they're what they've been doing with some of their great properties with marvel cinematic universe the the customers are walking away from it and they are hurting themselves i i think disney is in really big trouble just from what they are doing you don't need government intervention for them to be taken down a notch or 10. this is happening all by itself and this is something just like target 
everybody can participate in. And it's not just people on the right. It's people on the left too. It's like, I'm just sick of it. I just, I just want to have, be entertained, have something nice, yes. have some you know, good, good, wholesome content, which is what Disney stood for. The minute you take it political, all Americans get turned off by that. They, they are mm-hmm. screwing themselves. It kind of happened with the Oscars too, you know, when people tuned out. Kind of. Record oh numbers. my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, just thinking that was another vic- victory because half the country said, we're out. We're sick of these d- just terrible people lecturing us on morals from these podiums. Then you find out later it's like Harvey Weinstein. How many women did he molest or rape? Right. He's in jail right now for doing several of the- those things. So they turned off. And the Oscars plummeted. Nobody's watching the Oscars anymore, not to, not to mention the Emmys and all that. Once they got rid of Rich, Ricky Gervais, nobody watched. So you, <laughs> uh, now here we are with Bud Light, with Target, with the L.A. Dodgers controversy, though the Dodgers are in a unique position because you can't just go buy another Dodgers. You know, like you love your sports team. That's your sports team. You can't just like go get another beer. Well, I think That's there's a little more going on with award shows. Um, what happened is people got sick of celebrity. They got sick of celebrities telling us what to do, who, how we should act, what we should believe in. Um, we now have influencers who are way more important than any, than I'll just say it, John Legend, who was a very bigoted person. Oh, um, horrible. Yeah, you know, it just, you know, he believes that the only creative, good creative people are Democrats. He says it literally. Um, so, you know, th- this is, an, and it's also the demise of mainstream. You know, there is so much um, content that has been made available really with cheap money, which is, you know, that, that train has ended that, um, you know, people are flocking to TikTok and TikTok does something very interesting, which is good and bad. They don't follow the American media model of let's create some opposition and strife. No, they say, Oh, you like this kind of content. You like red stuff. You're red. You want blue. You got blue. You're right. You're right. Now, of course you want trans, you get indoctrinated over here with trans, not all necessarily good, but, um, all the money, all the money is going to TikTok. And that's your new, that's your new um, uh, influencers and successes. And, and the money is really all, that's why Google initially, Google and Twitter and uh, Meta, that's why they wanted um, uh, TikTok gone, not because of some mythical Chinese influence that's going to kill our children. We're doing fine by ourselves with that. We don't need China. Um, it's because they're eating their lunch. This is what's happening. Um, and now the internet it has good and bad, has just taken away all the power that mainstream had. Um, we saw this first happen with newspapers and print, and now that, you know, that business is pretty much dead. And now it's a slow motion de- de- demise where you just can't monetize the network anymore. You don't have a monopoly on who gets on the air. You're a great example of that. You know, it, there's many people who have figured this out, like, don't become part of a network who determine what you can do or how the ad buys are distributed. No, go and do it on your own. This is podcasting. This, you know, I started this 19 years ago now. Yeah. The whole idea was as an entity, you can have an audience. You don't have to be number one. You have to be the number one in the country. You can have a million people or even a, a thousand people. They will support you. And, if, and you can have advertisers who will support you, who will support your message and stand for your message, may not support other things. This is what they haven't figured out yet. They're all just kind of circle jerking, thinking that they're the boss, but they're not. It's over. Yeah. I I, I had a conversation with Tucker Carlson that sounded just like that in between his unceremonious ouster from his role uh, and, yeah. and now, you know, just trying to explain how 
Look, I don't know that you're at the center of the universe in the way you would be when you're Tucker Carlson on Fox News at 8 p.m., but I think it's almost a good thing. Like perhaps there's just a few fewer knives out for you, and yet you still have enormous influence, especially if you're Tucker Carlson. Um, and and yet you will find brands. I mean, I, of course, say some controversial things, and so does you know Matt Walsh, and so do a lot of people, and yet you can find these wonderful advertisers who will stand by you. And I'm so grateful to them. You know, it's like, it's almost like you become uncancelable because if you've got steely spined advertisers, then you can say you do have the freedom to say what you want. And I like doing it with advertisers as opposed to a purely subscription model because that gets expensive for the customer. You know, like, I don't want to ask all my viewers to pay money to listen. It's just, it's a lot. Um, so it's great. I mean, and, and look, that's why I really look you. I really want people to support the average. Like go buy Rosetta Stone, like go, go buy your products from Genucel. Do it. I use them myself to make sure they're good before I push them. But that you're well, supporting there's, there's more than option. just the brand. There's a, there's a third option, which I started with the no agenda show. We call it value for value. And the idea is no one's a listener. You're all an active participant and you can participate in the program by sending whatever you get from the show, if it's if it's some value to you, and if there's no value, why are you even listening? But if there's some value, send it back with either time, talent, or treasure. So we have never built a website. We have never had to worry about um, our servers. All of this has been contributed by the people who listen to the show. And there's about 4% who will actually send us back money. And the amazing thing is, is when you leave it open-ended and don't say, oh, this is going to cost you 99 cents or a dollar or $10 a month, it turns out that if you ask how much was this worth to you, people send you much higher amounts. And uh -huh. yeah, it fluctuates over time. But when you get to um, an audience that is, believes and understands they are a part of it, it's sustaining. Dvorak and I, with no agenda, we've been doing this now for almost 16 years. We've never had an advertisement. Uh, of course, we're completely uncancelable in that regard. We don't have to worry yeah. about it. We also have meetings with advertisers. Um, and does it fluctuate when it's tax time? Yeah, it goes down a little bit, but when they get their, when people get their refunds, it goes back up and mm -hmm. are we billionaires? No, but we live comfortably. We have put our kids through school or whatever they wanted to do. And anybody can do this. You know, if you have a thousand people who want to support you, whatever your, your community is about, and if they can support you with, uh, with a hundred dollars a year, you have a life you can sustain and this community can continue. And that's what people are figuring out. You know, I noticed this. Like one of the things I love about this position is that people are here because they they want to listen to these conversations, right? Like there's a there's a loyalty that they have to the show and the cast of characters that we put on it. And I hopefully I'm part of it. And there's loyalty I have to them. And so when I get, because people take, they write in mail uh, to the show, by the way, you can email me, Megan, Megan at MeganKelly.com, or they post comments on YouTube. Sometimes they post comments on Apple. I read them. I read them. And so I'm getting all this feedback from people who I know are rooting for me. So it's different. I listen. It's not like just getting trolled by who knows whom, you know, the left nine times out of 10 when I was on Fox on any comments that I'd see online. That. I knew to discard these. I can tell when they're actual fans and they actually watch the show. And so I listen to their criticisms. I take them in. I think about them. What's what's valid? What do I want to, what I want to respond to? Because I know that we're on the same team. You know what I mean? I'm not speaking ideologically, just speaking about what we're doing here, what we're building here. That's been one of the most meaningful parts for me. 
And, um, yeah, I, I've, I kind of found out my true mission in life um, because there is still a danger. I mean, Spotify, Apple, uh, these people will deplatform you in a heartbeat, Megan, if, if they get enough complaints. So, you know, we built a complete value for value podcast index, uh, which now 60 or 70 apps and services are using. So, you know, if if you ever get kicked off of Apple or Spotify, which could happen, I mean, this conversation by itself could be deemed transphobic, you know, you can go to podcastapps.com and there's a whole bunch of great podcast apps that are independent that are completely separated from any of this infrastructure. So it's, and it's really truly one of the last things that, uh, that has that luxury. It's, it's quite amazing mm -hmm. how podcasting, but I, uh, you know, has, has gone to the, gotten to this point. I have to say, I dare you. I dare you to deplatform me, Apple. I dare you. <laughs> I will rain hell down on you. For a woman speaking up for girls and for her fellow women and our rights to be safe and to have our spaces, I dare you. I will unleash hell on that company. I will actually lead protests in the street. I will go to the outside of Apple headquarters. They cannot do it. They can't. They will live to regret. I will make them a Bud Light if they try to shut down these conversations because we are finding our voices and we're getting help from men, right? Matt Walsh has been amazing. All the guys at Daily Wire and so many others and the, the, the audience. I mean, people are figuring it out right now after girl after girl gets hurt, woman after woman gets hurt, loses money, loses safety, loses something. So I don't think that they're that they can do that. I really don't. I don't not on this issue. And that's really the only one that I think I'm potentially cancelable on. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll find out the hard way I'm wrong. You just scared but me. I, I'll go down I with hate fight. to be I would hate to be Tim Cook right now and hear that what you just said. So yeah. I, and I agree. <laughs> and and I and I and you know, we're a a Megan Kelly household. My my wife listens religiously. Oh. And oh and if I don't hear it, she always tells me what's going on. Um <laughs> and she does, believe me. And I really uh, appreciate what you are doing for women um, because our children under are under attack and our women and our future women. This is this is a real thing. And I'd like and again, I'd like to see all women join in this pushback, including uh, lesbians. You know, come on, you're women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to stand for this. I completely concur. Yeah. Um one comment you made earlier that I wanted to follow up on, because this is a story that caught my eye in the news. You were talking about how um, there's this instinct to go to the victim place, you know, the, the poor furries, as Rolling Stone wrote about it, you know, like they're, they're neuro whatever diseases and they, you know, we should feel sorry for them and uh, they need to work out their issues in a box costume. All right. So you said they they always learn to play the victim, these, this select group of people, and they complain about erasure. Okay, I've just got to touch on this, Adam. So you know how the Oxford, um, it's, let me just get the actual title because they've invited me to go out there quite a few times. Oh, the Oxford, it's the not actual that they Oxford, do? the Oxford debates. It's yeah, not actual those, yeah. Oxford. It's like an offshoot, but it's, I, it's on campus, I think. In any event, mm -hmm. they brought on this woman, former professor at the University of Sussex named Kathleen Stock. And right. she's great. She's a warrior. She wrote a book uh, in 2021 called Material Girls, Why Reality Matters for Feminism. And it was critical of this crazed ideology we've been discussing. Um, she essentially lost her job because nobody would support her. She, it got so dangerous for her on campus that the police warned her to stay away for her own safety, said install security measures at your home in the wake of this book, which did not say anything beyond what you and I are discussing. 
And um, her local union refused to support her. And she basically had enough and she peaced out. Well, they invited her at the Oxford Union to go and debate these issues because it's getting a little bit more OK. Oxford Union is called at Oxford University to discuss it. She, so she went, but not without a protest about her even appearing. And the protest got so loud and vociferous um, that the prime minister had to weigh in in her defense saying, hello, Rishi Shunak came out and said, it is wrong for a vocal few to shut down discussion. You got to let her speak. Just my God, get a hold of yourself, people. So hundreds of people showed up and there were, the other side was represented. You know, it's not like she just had a platform to say whatever she wanted, which would have been fine, but they were represented. Listen to what happened. Um, they set up welfare rooms in an Oxford college for the trans activist protesters who were distressed, even if they hadn't attended the talk, just distressed through the air. If it had wafted over somehow, they hadn't heard a word of it. They were just distressed. It was happening. Uh, in an email, an LGBTQ plus society representative told students, we have set up welfare rooms. If you cannot get to it, you can also go to the backup welfare room. <laughs> so, so you haven't see, heard the speech. You can go to a welfare room or the backup welfare room. <laughs> how, how strongly does it waft from the original speaker? <laughs> then they say that these rooms will be operated by trained peer supporters and first aiders. So you need first aid just in case you need the vapors from the waft. They will offer water bottles, energy bars, wait for it, earplugs. <laughs> from what? They're already yeah. saying you can't hear, even if you haven't heard the speech. This is the level we're at. And of course, they did complain of erasure saying we believe trans students should not be made to debate their existence. Yeah, I mean, so this shows you the weakness of the of the so-called enemy. We have nothing to worry about if, you know, <laughs> if people, the minute something happens, like I need my my special room or the backup room where I need some candy. Um, <laughs> and 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 the UK, I mean, Rishi, uh, the prime minister is Sunak is very, very disingenuous. The UK has, of course, doesn't really have a constitution that says, you know, that you have a absolute God-given right to free speech. Uh, people are getting arrested just for being mean on Twitter. So uh, to me, the UK is completely lost. And, uh, and this professor is absolutely right to leave. Uh, she is what we would consider the OG turf, you know, trans radical exclusionary uh, feminist. Um, but this is the capture of the uh, of our institutions. You know, this comes from the endowments. The endowments come from big, big institutions, big foundations. And they say, OK, here's a billion dollars, uh, but you can only use this for certain type of studies. And that would be, you know, your LGBTQ or, you know, whatever issue you have. And in America, we let this sneak in. Well, you know, while we were all looking at other things, maybe presidential elections seven, eight years ago, uh, it started with bullying. And I remember playing clips of, oh, you know, we have to have bullying laws. And I grew up, as you did, with sticks and stones will break my bones, names will never hurt me. But that became a thing in schools. You can't bully. And then from there, it went to actual bullying laws. And then we got hate laws. Now, you're a lawyer. Uh, you know, explain to me what a, what a, what a hate crime is or uh, how a hate law works, because a crime is a crime. And just by 
adding some term to it. I think if you commit a crime against someone, you're hateful by definition. We let mm -hmm. this go and we just accepted that. And that's, and we're also, Americans are good people. I can't speak for the British, although I lived there, I had a good time. But, you know, we were always like, yeah, just let everyone do their thing, you know, but we got taken advantage of, you know, it's like, okay, so now we have to stand up and say, no, this is stupid and ridiculous. And we kind of have to turn the clock back on this whole hate thing, because that's being codified into law somehow. I'd love for you to explain to me how that works. Yeah, well, of course, it's like taking a terrible crime and making it super terrible. It's super terrible. So there has to be an extra level of punishment. And now that has trickled down to just hate speech needs to be disallowed needs to be. Mm -hmm. and, and there are a large number of young people today who believe hate speech is not protected by the First Amendment, <laughs> that somehow it's unconstitutional to say hateful things as if the founders said all the lovely, sweet nothings that people are going to whisper. Those need protection. We got to make sure we have a whole amendment. Number one, to protect all the lovely things that people want to say that everyone's going to agree with. It's just so backwards. Fine. First Amendment. Great. Make a new amendment that hate, you know, hate speech is not protected. By the way, make a new make something against the Second Amendment that, you know, that's the system. We don't yeah. teach civics, I guess. But it's real easy. You know, it's a very simple process. It's known. It's laid out. No, instead, we're going to First thing we need to do is discredit one of the three branches of government. We've got to make sure everyone knows the Supreme Court is just no good. It's worthless. Just look at that guy. And that's, you know, Clarence Thomas, of course. I mean, the, the, it will not. I don't I can never see this happening. Um, are we maybe if we devolve into idiocracy, maybe that movie will come true. I sure hope mm -hmm. not. Um, but this is all just attack after attack. And honestly, the news media, the news in general, doesn't report it fairly, doesn't report it accurately, what is actually going on. And the, the fact that you're right, that young people even believe now, because they've been so psyoped into it, that hate speech is illegal, is crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, you're raising good points that lead me beautifully to my next point, the media, this hate rhetoric, um, DeSantis and Trump. I'm going to tell you what they're now saying right after a quick break. And we'll get back uh, into the media messaging. If you didn't think they were going to try to make DeSantis into the new Trump, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> but I know you saw it coming. Stand by. Donald Trump has shown himself to be the most reprehensible and dangerous of presidents in the history of the United States. It's a dangerous, dangerous, most dangerous president. Donald Trump is the most dangerous person to the Republican Party. It would be a very dangerous devastating and destructive thing if Donald Trump got anywhere close to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. He's a dangerous person now. He wasn't dangerous before. He was only dangerous to people who would believe him. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. In your view, is Donald Trump dangerous? Absolutely. And the last thing the United States needs to do is to elect somebody like Trump. And very frankly, it would be very dangerous for the world. Very dangerous. Dangerous. What he has laid out is the most dangerous reckless approach to being president than I think we've ever seen. The knowing, most dangerous man ever to run for president of the United States. I believe that. Hmm. Welcome back to the Megyn Kelly show. Adam Curry, host of the No Agenda Show podcast, is with me today. So that was some of the messaging about Trump uh, back when he was running the first time. And I think there were some second time thoughts in there, too. The most number one, number one, most dangerous ever to run. Phone and finger number then, one. Number one, yeah, you're number one. Um, and then came 
the belief among some in the Republican Party that they needed to switch him out. Too many issues, too much baggage, the messaging. It's crazy. Maybe we can upgrade to somebody who won't be attackable in that way. Enter Ron DeSantis. Problem solved? Or is it? Here's the latest messaging courtesy of MSNBC, Mehdi Hassan's show and commentator, former Republican Congressman David Jolly. I say this with conviction. I think Ron DeSantis is far more dangerous than Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis, <laughs> I believe, actually in his ethos, is a culture warrior who wants to take us back 100 years, ultimately has a very dark vision of what America will be. Ron DeSantis tonight, a very dark figure on the political landscape, far more dangerous than Donald Trump. It's far, far more dangerous, Adam. Got it? He's dark and dangerous, Megan. <laughs> Oh, fun trick on your microphone. I don't have yes, that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is how it's going to go. I mean, this is, first of all, we need to give thanks to President Trump for what he did give us. He showed us fake news. He showed us what the media was really doing. I think that was important. I know he was not kind to you. So, you know, oh, that, we that, got past that. I, I think you are. Um, but he also put in um, uh, federal judges and did uh, stack the Supreme Court. It's not it's not really a right or left thing uh, for me. Uh, but this just shows you that the only thing the media or the pol uh, politics can resort to is doing this in the media. And there's danger to this. The What we've created now is a whole generation of Zoomers, Gen Zers who've just become apathetic. They don't care. They've checked out, you know, the, uh, where you might've gotten some people to vote in the, uh, in the first, in that dangerous election. Uh, this generation is not interested. They're not engaged. They don't care. They've checked out. They also don't care that they're being tracked by Silicon Valley. We've just created a generation of, um, uh, people who've withdrawn from that. Um, what I'm afraid of is what is happening by focusing purely on the presidential election and, and handing in my own bosom for in the 80s and 90s. Uh, you know, I was, you know, at MTV, I was making money, I'm doing things, having a good time, building career. Uh, city council, losers, you couldn't get anything better, like school board, yeah, whatever. And we got into this place where now we have uh, a very, very sick culture in uh, all over in these in local uh, offices and even here in Fredericksburg I live in Fredericksburg Texas it's a beautiful you know like you could be not, not not could not be more Americana 15,000 people you know founded by by Germans and in, in the weekend we grow to 50,000 with tourism for our wineries uh, but even here we had books in school that were just not appropriate for children. Of Forget anything, just not appropriate. You know, bringing in therapists. No, no, no. So you have to remain very vigilant. This, I think, is what happened to California. California was a red state. But when you get all these little little local things, this is also the George Soros method, you know, put in, put in district attorneys who will do certain things and follow certain methodologies. If you don't pay attention to what's happening locally, you're going to wind up in trouble. And this, if anything, the presidential election is distracting people from what's happening locally. So, mm. yes, it's important. And, yeah, and but again, the president doesn't hold some magic wand. President Trump couldn't do everything he wanted. In fact, he, a lot of stuff he wanted to do, he couldn't do. And neither will the president DeSantis or even a president Michelle Obama. I mean, we have to stay very vigilant in our local communities. We're still the United States of America. 
We have the 14th Amendment. We have a lot of power uh, over, uh, and that's what the whole Constitution is about. Uh, or the, you know, the And the Bill of Rights, uh, these amendments, it's telling federal government what they cannot do. Yeah. And I wish people would remind their children of this. The First Amendment doesn't give you the right to free speech. No, it tells the government they can't stop you. It's a God-given right. These are the things that we need to stay vigilant on and remember, particularly in our own communities. No, you're right. You're right. hundred percent right. I mean, oh, 100%, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, I didn't. Why do we hate that term again? Just because it's because Kara Swisher uses it. That's why she's always oh. using it. That's why it irks me. Can I ask you why? I mean, I used to be friends with her, but we're not friends anymore. But why? Why do you not like her? Well, she is my hate listen. Uh, I listen to her and Scott Galloway because she's disingenuous and bad. It's really bad for America. The things she says and the things that she's standing for is the exact opposite of what someone in her position should be doing. It's not a political thing. I mean, she makes it into a political thing, but no, I mean, and I hate to pick on her, but you know, if you saw uh, OMG, O'Keefe Media Group's latest yeah. uh, expose, which I thought was brilliant, talking to John Fetterman, one of John Fetterman's uh, assistants, and he literally was saying, you know, we get, we, we have access journalism, so we get the real puppets who will do anything just to get access. And he said it was uh, Scarborough from MSNBC, it was Pod Save America, and he said the absolute best you can get to say anything is Kara Swisher. So she's just not a great journalist. Mm. Okay, so back on on point. What I think is interesting about the Trump is so dangerous narrative is it does speak to this terrible media and how they make up their mind on what the narrative will be. And then they will mind control you right up to the voting booth. At least they'll try. So mm-hmm. we heard the narrative there as I mean, that was everybody on the left. Every it was CNN, MSNBC, all of them, um, even, you know, some former Republicans in there. And now it's DeSantis. And by the way, it wasn't just that guy on Mehdi Hassan. Here's CNN on May 25th. Why DeSantis is just as dangerous as Trump or more. May 17th, Huffington Post. No one is more dangerous for the White House than Ron DeSantis. Ron DeDangerous. They're going to be start. They're going to call him. DeDangerous. Okay. (laughs) Um, So this is the new. And then there was this uh, there's a writer on Substack named Paul Thacker who tweeted out if Trump is Hitler, but DeSantis is more dangerous than Trump. Then who is DeSantis? Satan? (laughs) Trying to keep all the labels in order here. But then enter MSNBC again. Just as a reminder, because Trump is up 30 points in most of these polls over DeSantis, he's still very dangerous himself. He hasn't gotten less dangerous. And by the way, it's not just Trump. Mike Pence, he is dangerous. None of these people should even be platformed. They're all too dangerous to be platformed or discussed at all. Here is a clip from MSNBC's Katie Fang's show. Listen to this. What does it tell you that Donald Trump is actually going to be doing a town hall that's going to air and is going to be on Fox News? Mike Pence, he's going to have a CNN town hall. What does it tell you that there are media outlets that are providing platforms for potential GOP primary candidates to be able to get out and, I guess, sell their wares? I I mean, so extremely dangerous, Katie, that they're normalizing. The former president that was impeached twice and they're acting as if as if, you know, it's business as usual, politics as usual. No, we are on really the last line of defense here for our democracy and our freedoms. And it's extremely dangerous. So extremely (sighs) dangerous to platform people like Mike Pence or the man who's 30 points up and capturing the GOP nomination. 
Yeah, I mean, this. I think this is why uh, Tucker and Don Lemon actually both on the same day were fired. This was a message to the media. It was, it, and, and to Fox News more than anything. We've got you. We we do not care if you don't toe the line. We'll get rid of you, even if you're Tucker Carlson. You know, Don Lemon arguably was on the way out, but you know he he was a staple at CNN, and the message was just clear: you toe the party line, and that's the money line. It always is, and if you don't then you're going to be gone. And we don't care about whatever statue you have, no matter how important you think you are. And that's mm-hmm. the media for you, which again, brings us back to thank God for the Megyn Megan Kelly show. Wow. And, and, and also yours. But I, there's so many now popping up that are like absolutely invaluable. I got started with Ben Shapiro, who's one of my dear friends too. And I learned so much from him all the time. And everybody's got a different voice. That's one of the things I love about it too. It's not like turning into Fox where you sort of get the same messaging all day, you know, uh, other than Tucker mm-hmm. when he was there. Sure. You get, you get differing viewpoints. Like you have a differing viewpoint on, on some of the stuff we do. And I like that. I'm learning, causing me to challenge my own views. You know, like we talked about before, I hear back from my audience, they give me different angles in. I love all mm-hmm. of it. Um, one just final point on it. Then you get um, the New Republic writing a piece why Trump 24 is far more dangerous than Trump 16. So Trump's still dangerous, actually more dangerous, but maybe not quite as dangerous as DeSantis, just for those of you playing at home. All right, I've got to end on this. Tara Reid. Tara Reid, not the actress, but the Joe Biden accuser, Mm -hmm. came forward in 2020 to say that when she worked as an aide for Senator Joe Biden, when he was running for president at this time, he had sexually assaulted her in um, in a business capacity in the U.S. Senate. I went out there. It was during COVID. Everything was shut down. I flew to see her. I interviewed her. We put it on my YouTube channel. It was my first offering on my YouTube channel. One of them, I think. And um, then, and there was some discussion about whether she was a little too in love with Putin based on some of the writings that she had written by that point. I asked her about it a bit. And she was completely dismissed and discredited and attacked by the left. Right. They're all about believe all women. And unless you're attacking the leader for the Democratic nomination, in which case you will be destroyed. And boy, did they. They did everything to Tara Reid. It was very sad what they did to her. Well, she was about to go before Congress and testify about what Joe Biden did to her and maybe some other things, too. I'm, I'm unclear on it. I'm getting clear in, in front of a hearing that was being organized by Matt Gates. Switch to she has defected to Russia. She did a press conference yesterday from Moscow saying, I'm asking Vladimir Putin for citizenship. I'm not safe in the United States. And um, I, I will testify, but I have been told by Matt Gates that I could be in danger in the United States. I want to tell our audience she's coming on the show exclusively tomorrow. We're, we're going to talk to her from Moscow, which ought to be kind of interesting, right? So I'll ask her all the questions. People are saying she's been a Russian agent all along. Well, what do you make of this extraordinary turn of events? Well, first of all, um, I think it's really sad she was used as a political football. You know, this was announced in March. She was going to testify clearly to um, use this as uh, weaponization against the current president in the presidential election. Then she gets told, oh, by the way, we can't really protect you. Um, I'd be afraid uh, in that case. Now, I personally believe, having been to Moscow before the wall came down, I know you and I disagree on Putin, but leave him out of it for a second. Uh, Russians and Americans have no beef with each other. I don't see anyone hating the Russian people. I don't see the Agreed. Russian people hating Americans. We are, in fact, very much alike. We we stand for a lot of the same values. And uh, you have to understand that Maria Butina is the one who apparently brought her over. And Maria Butina 
um, really is pro-America. And uh, if you look at her history with Patrick Byrne from Overstock and how that all went down, essentially she um, she was arrested because she admitted she was, you know, uh, a foreign agent who wasn't registered, which is like half of Washington is, is you know, it violates the Farah Act. I think this, if anything, was more of an outreach from uh, the Russian people, the Russian, because Maria Butina is now um, a representative in Russia. I think it was an outreach to say, hey, you know what? Just like Snowden, we kind of believe in the freedoms that America should have. And um, maybe we should think more about that and less about, you know, what we're trying to do to the current president or a new president. I see it as in general positive, but it has to. And I'd love for you to ask her about that because I feel like there's something very important going on there. Mm, I, I will. I mean, I'm I'm fascinated by what made her make this decision? The media, of course, does exactly what it's going to do, which is pile on more. But she's got a daughter back here. She's got all these animals she loves. And Tara Reid, is, she's not a nutcase. You know, she's been beaten up. Um, she doesn't like Joe Biden, for sure. And I can't wait to find out exactly what made her take this drastic step. She says she would like to be able to come back and forth between the countries. She would like to feel safe here, but doesn't. So we'll get into all of it. Adam, you always have unique insights. It's a pleasure to see you again. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Megan. I appreciate the invitation. Yeah. And don't forget, folks, tune in tomorrow because Tara Reid will be with us. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.